Hello everyone and welcome to the Council of Elrond where we discuss all things Lord of the Rings and today we have a special treat for you because we are going to discuss, in case you didn't know, Tolkien's unfinished sequel to The Lord of the Rings entitled The New Shadow and maybe we'll discuss something a little secret again at the end of this episode if we have time, I don't know. We'll have to see. But uh, don't forget to leave a like, uh, drop us a review as well. That really helps us with the algorithm. Also check us out on YouTube because we're, we're trying to grow on YouTube too, very slowly but surely. Uh, or you can find all of our links there in the description in the podcast info section. I am Dave, your host, and I'm joined by my brother, Johnny. Hello. Uh, and also before we begin, a huge thank you to all of our patrons and a special mention to Jack Knightley. You know who you are, Jack, and we love you very, <laughs> very much. Um, so yeah, let's let's get into this episode. Uh, Johnny, I know you know that there was an unfinished sequel to The Lord of the Rings, as we've previously discussed it off air before. But do you happen to, I don't expect you to, but do you remember anything much of what happened in it or or even just like what the look of Middle Earth was like in this period of the Fourth Age? I can't really remember. It's so long since, uh, I mean, just in case anyone was listening, you just mentioned that we, we discussed it off air. About a, a week ago, we had a conversation of like, you were saying, oh, maybe I might do an episode mm. to talk about this. That was our conversation. The extent yeah, of the conversation yeah. was about like seven seconds. So we didn't go in any depth into it. But I remember a few years ago reading something about it and I really don't have a good memory. I think there was some sort of like a evil, shady character, almost kind of like, a, it was almost like a Nazgul or something. Like maybe it could have been like a dark sorcerer or something that was just kind of, popping up around the place like in the shire or something but i really maybe i'm just going getting that completely wrong so i no, I can't no, tell you. you yeah you sound like you know i remember nothing from it and again i don't know maybe a year or two years ago i i think i watched a video on it it was probably matt from nerd the rings or one of those videos describing this um this book and i was like oh that's cool and then i remember watching it and forgetting it almost immediately but <laughs> from what you from what you've brought up um yeah that's you're kind of getting close so the book is called the new shadow so what do we know about this book well first of all let's let's just talk a little bit about tolkien so tolkien hmm. actually began thinking about a sequel to the lord of the rings in the late 1950s or early 60s we don't know exactly when he first began but he actually started writing this story three times but eventually abandoned it after never being able to get further than just a few pages in but the the version that we have available is is 13 pages long and it's in the peoples of middle earth you've heard of this book john Mm -hmm. you have it um so Mm -hmm. for anyone that doesn't know about this it's um it's a book that's edited by christopher tolkien the the son of of john uh from the unpublished manuscripts of his father and the story is set 220 years after the events of lord of the rings that's what I could gather. Anyways, that seems to be the most accurate um, time frame because, again, we've talked about it loads of times before, but Tolkien has contradicted himself many times saying things like, you know, about 100 years after the downfall of Barad-dûr, he says that in one letter, and then another letter he says, oh, it's about 100 years after the death of Aragorn. So that doesn't make sense because th- th- that's like 100 years. Sure, it's an, unfinished, it's an unfinished story. So obviously he... And like yeah. we know that the way Tolkien uh, used to write was he'd just start, you know, he'd get an idea and he'd start writing it and then he'd let the story just kind of 
develop itself a little bit almost. And then if he didn't like the way it was going, he just kind of scrapped it and start over again. So, I mean, he used to always just come up with like random ideas. That's why, I mean, and then all the books like the Silmarillion and things like that that were put together by Christopher, which were just kind of assembled by uh, by just finding these notes and like scraps of paper with like things written on them. It's so difficult to assemble those things. And then that's why there are some contradicting storylines and like, well, not storylines, but maybe contradictions like blue wizards mm. timelines things like that yeah. uh because i mean obviously if tolkien had finished those stories himself uh maybe would have had a more consistent thing but i mean he had too much work he had too much going on he like, did. i mean he was trying to adapt an entire world and uh just you know some stuff got left by the wayside and he couldn't <laughs> keep track of it all yeah and it's not even just like little contradictions he you you kind of said there that he would go back and like look at his own notes and years later make a complete change i think we talked about it before on the orc episode or some episode where he just like decided to on his deathbed be like oh by the way orc is actually spelled o-r-k goodbye (laughs) (laughs) just like left a bombshell and then disappeared but uh yeah so so set about 220 years after the events of lord of the rings what we know is it's only a couple of generations, like maybe two in, you know, some of the longer living men. But at this point, like all magic is gone. All memory of what happened in the Lord of the Rings is is all but gone as well. Elves have completely left the continent. Dwarves have now delved so deeply and so greedily that they have all but vanished from society and they're basically lost to the world of men. There's no mention of it. Like if, if Tolkien was going to finish the story, there would have it wouldn't have been high fantasy. It would have been like low fantasy. There would have been no elves, dwarves, magic, any of that crap. Mm. Um, Middle Earth is under the dominance and rule of men. And this story is that like the text is written from the perspective of our main character named Borlas. Borlas is the youngest son of Baragond. Now, Baragond is a name that we see in the Lord of the Rings, the Return of the King book. I was going to ask you, do you actually remember who this character is? You would see him in Gondor. So, um, to, jog, to jog your memory, he, <laughs> meets, need some help. <laughs> he, he meets Pippin at Minas Tirith. Do you remember this guy? Now he doesn't have a huge uh, part. <laughs> is he just like one of the Citadel Guards or something? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he he had okay. recently just become a Citadel Guard, and um, oh, is he the guy that meets Pippin and Gandalf when they're coming through the gate? It's not that guy, is it? There's a guy. Um, it's like right at the beginning of the the Return of the King book where Gandalf and Pippin are arriving and they're coming through the seven gates, and Gandalf is there saying like. Oh, uh, and, and they speak to Gandalf and they're mm-hmm. like, well, Miss Ra- Randy, no, you no, know no. the passwords of the seven gates, but we don't know your friend. And Gandalf is like, oh, I can vouch for him. Uh, I can go yeah. to Denethor and I can vouch for him. It's not that guy, no? No, that's that's that the, the Ramos Echor, actually, before yeah, they actually Ramos get Echor, to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's like just some, I don't know. I, I, that guy only has like one mention in the book and I can't remember his name. We brought it up before on this. Um, mm. But yeah, he's just some. Because Gandalf, because like, yeah, legend. it's cool because he's like, he has his little like, it's you can imagine if it was a movie and there was an actor, he's like, Oh, I got this got this small little part, I've got a speaking role, but he, he has a couple, lines, Mikhail, a couple of lines a couple of lines with Ian Mikhail, a couple of lines with Gandalf, and he says and then Gandalf says to him, like, um, basically you know, the war is coming, you know, really, really soon. So because you know, and that's why it's really cool because in that part of the book, the guy calls Mithrandir 
No, he doesn't. Sorry, he doesn't call him Lath Spell or anything like that. But he basically, you know, the way that we know the rumor about Gandalf in those times around the world of men, especially, he was known to be just a bringer of bad news. That's why Wormton calls him um, Lath Spell, and he says ill news is an ill guest and all that kind mm. of stuff. He basically says that, like, you know, Gandalf's kind of famous for just arriving when you know shit's going down, and he's always bringing <laughs> bad news. But Gandalf's basically saying, like, yeah, I am bringing bad news, but there's a war about to come, and that's why he tells the guy make sure that you finish building this wall because it was like the final wall of the um, of the seven uh, where mm. the gates are. And the guy was like, okay, by tomorrow morning, that wall's going to be finished. And he's like, good man yourself, carry on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, you know, carry that's on. <laughs> verbatim, good man yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember we brought up that guy before because he has some quote for, for our episode when we were discussing the Pelennor Fields and we were discussing the Ramus Echor and the seven the seven gates or possibly the ministerial episode that guy has a quote where he talks about seven gates and we were it's not very clear in the book is he seven currently talking about the, the ramus echor or is he talking about the the seven gates of ministerial but anyways yeah mm. no that's another character that's not the same guy but this guy baragond so Sorry, that's what i do when i don't know the answer to your <laughs> question i kind of go look what i know about some other guy yeah exactly <laughs> um yeah but back to back to baragond so Bergond, he meets Pippin at Minas Tirith. He ha- in the book it says that he has recently just become a guard of the Citadel. And he's actually the one that kills three servants of Denethor in order to protect Faramir being burned alive after Pippin rushed to ask for his aid. So in the book, Pippin like runs to his little friend that he meets and he's like, Bergond, help! Denethor's going insane! It's, it's kind of like what Gandalf does i suppose in the films yeah Gandalf just takes that role on in the movie he takes that role mm-hmm. and also he's mentioned again when um they're fighting at the moranon uh he's fighting side by side with pippin but anyways so this character baragond he's alive at the battle or the battle of the pelinor fields but this book is centered around his son his youngest son named borlas and borlas in this time is now an old old man old (laughs) (laughs) name diversity (laughs) what in the hell is diversity um it's so funny anytime you mention these names of like baragond and borlas and stuff because they're just not such familiar names as any of the other main characters of lord of the rings and i kind of forgotten about some of those guys it's like it reminds me of any characters from a lord of the rings playstation game or like you know the third age Third Age uh, is Barathor, isn't it? That's the name of the character yeah, that and, you play as. Um, is it Elgost um, as well? Is the ranger? What's the what's the what's the the, the female dwarf name like? Um, I- Idril, it's like I think. Idril, yeah. Some, yeah. I remember it being like it being like part of like it's Galadriel. like I remember thinking like it's like if you change the name Galadriel and just mm. chop off a few letters, you get this like yeah, yeah. Idril or um, Adriel or something like that. I, I think it's it. Idril, and then there's Elgost, mm. the ranger, Benethor, or Barathor. What's the dwarf's name? Oh God! What is he? If anyone's listening, please let us oh, know what the dwarf's name. I really is. want to play that game. And so and do you remember there was also a a girl with two? She had like two axes. She was a a Rohirrim girl. I can't remember what her name was. Did she come along later? Oh, she comes later. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember her name, but she's like akimbo akimbo uh, axes. It's pretty cool. Oh, class. That's deadly. Yeah. But anyways, um. Yeah, brilliant game. I highly recommend if anyone hasn't played it, get out of PS2 and find the Third Age. It's it's such a such a good game, Final Fantasy style. Anywho, um, we all know the Lord of the Rings ends with Aragorn ruling over the kingdoms of Gondor and Arnor for one hundred and twenty two years, 
And he was a wise and great ruling king. And he was eventually succeeded by his son named... Do you remember his name? Sorry, who? Aragorn's son. Oh, right. Sorry, I was just thinking of something completely different that wasn't really listened to. Um, Get your mind out of the third age. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'll try to think of that uh, that, that dwarves name. Feck. Um, Aragorn's son. Oh, God. I'm going to go blank on this. It'll come to Um, dwarves name. You're thinking of Aragorn's son. I'm thinking of the dwarf. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hang on. I think I have it. I think I know the dwarf's name. Is it Hadhod? I think you're very close. I don't. I think that sounds a bit too weird, a bit too like. Um, I think it's Had Hod. I'm going had, to Google. Had Hod, really? Had Hod? Had Hod? <laughs> um, had Hod. Sounds like a sounds like a crumpet or something. Had Hod, <laughs> like a hot pocket. Uh, uh, yeah, oh, oh yeah, I think I'm right. Had Hod is part of the company of travelers controlled by the player in the Lord of the Rings, the Third Age video game. There you oh go. Oh my god, how did you remember that? Had Hod, it doesn't no even sound idea. like. I mean, when you said it, I was like, that's definitely not it. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just putting on a brave face for the audience. No, as in it sounded right when you were saying it, it was like it begins with a H kind of I was like, mm, all right, fair yeah. enough, maybe, yeah, but I didn't expect that. Had Hod, right. Well done. Fair play. So Aragorn's um, I can't, son, I'm going blank on Aragorn's son's name. That, that's all right. His name was Eldarion. Oh, for feck's sake. <laughs> so Eldarion ruled, uh, he, he succeeded Aragorn after Aragorn eventually passed away. And I think um, it's it's widely known that, or widely, whoever read the, the end of the book or the next bits of Tolkien's notes, that Eldarion was also a wise and ruling king as well, or a great king, but maybe not as great as his father. And perhaps if Aragorn was ruling for another hundred years, he would have made sure nobody would have forgotten the the torment that Sauron had on Middle Earth. But um, Eldarion was a little bit more. I don't. I don't really care if people know or or forget. But anywho, let's get on to the actual story, the meat and bones, the meat and bones. Mm. So the story begins. Give it to me. With <laughs> give it to me raw. <laughs> raw. Riggling. Yeah. So give the, the story. Meat, give it to me raw. <laughs> the story begins with Borlas, this old old man who's living by the banks of the River Anduin in Pen Arduin in Ga- in Gondor, which is which is very close to Minas Tirith. I think it's just south of it. And uh, at this time, like I mentioned, Middle Earth is nearly like nearly all memory of Sauron's threat and evil is lost. But Borlas is one of the very few that could recall such times. Such times as in like the, the horrible times, I guess. Um, <laughs> most yeah. of the story is a conversation between Borlas and a man named Ceylon, who once stole an apple from Borlas's garden many years ago when he was just a young lad and he was friends with Borlas's son, to which Borlas had described at the time as orcs work, which really stuck Oof, with Ceylon. Geez. Yeah, he was like, he, he was kind of bummed out by this, but um, never, in their forgiven. Con- never forgiven. In their conversation, Borlas talks about a dark tree which is sort of a metaphor for evil or like some sort of dark cult and he describes that you can cut down the tree but its roots remain so it can rise again if it's left unchecked or unwatched so Ceylon mentions that he remembers Borlas's insult of him years and years ago describing him as doing orcs work but later him and his friends would play and pretend to be orcs so this is kind of the world that we live in at the moment orcs Clearly aren't thought about in a fearful way whatsoever, but they're mm. kind of, you know, made fun of, um, mocked and whatever. But it is it is 
obvious that the younger generation, like the Gen Z, I suppose, of Middle Earth, they clearly have no memory or respect for the aftermath of, of what went down before, of the, the, the War of the Ring. So, you know, when you get modern day people talking about like army men and then you get like army men that fought in World War Two, and they're like, back in my day, no, you wouldn't, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't have any of that. So this is what yeah. I what I imagine is going down here. So Ceylon seems to despise Borlas as he mentions that he and his friends had once considered cutting down one of Borlas's trees from his orchard to make him think that orcs had returned just to scare Borlas. So it's quite horrible. Uh, poor old Borlas, he's just an old man. Mm. They then so go young, on... Young, young scallywags, just yeah. upset and older men. Scoundrel! Not on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, they then go on to discuss... This is where it kind of gets really philosophical, I suppose. They, they discuss the morality between stealing an apple that is ripe and one that isn't. Are they both the same? Is it worse to steal an apple that isn't ripe as you're basically preventing the world from the pot- the potential good of this apple? So, you know, we, we've talked before on other podcasts how Tolkien, you know, he claims that he's abs- absolutely does not use any allegory. But to me, this really sounds like you know Tolkien's presumed beliefs on maybe abortion or something of that nature just I don't want to get too deep or you know philosophical about it do you not think it's Tolkien just talking about an apple like because (laughs) because I could totally believe that as well Tolkien like obsessed with trees and nature and stuff but of course yeah but but robbing the world beauty the beauty of the good of this apple did you know yeah yeah, yeah. I, I suppose. I mean, if it was any other any other author, I'd be all on board with saying, yeah, it's definitely um, allegorical, and he's talking about you know it could be like what's what you're saying. Um, mm. But for, when it's talking, I'm like, you could just be talking about an apple. <laughs> I know. Yeah, you're you're probably right, and and sure, look, maybe this is we'll get onto it, but maybe this is like part of the reason why he scrapped it. Maybe he was like, oh, look, I I don't want to be too allegorical about anything, so. Mm. Any, anyways, back to back to Ceylon and 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 uh, Borlas. Ceylon goes on to talk about whether a tree would view a man or an orc any differently for the reasons they would cut them down. What would make the man's motivations any better than the orcs when, at the end of the day, they are both just killing a tree? And Borlas mm. responds with a quite insightful view of how evil had entered the world through the discord of Melkor. Whereas men came afterwards through the holy creation of Eruluvatar, the one. And men were his children and were given the right to use trees without pride or want. Men would cut down trees to warn their children, whereas orcs cut down trees out of want and destruction. Now, well, sometimes that- they were building, building an army and, you know, they needed fuel to feed the fire and they were like, you know, trying the to... The orcs. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. Steel and stuff. So, you know, they were, they were being, you know, um, industrial with it. It wasn't yeah, just burn it down and just But you know they loved the- they loved it like they you know men probably well I know if an elf had to cut down a tree they'd be like you know licking the tree before and be like I'm so sorry <laughs> but an orc is probably like uh we need to chop down three trees but let's just do 10 for good measure you know just because I want to Yeah yeah maybe maybe I don't know um who knows but uh yeah no you're probably right you're probably right they definitely would spit on the tree before they chop it down <laughs> Not in a sexual way, but yeah, definitely. Um, So it's at this point where a mysterious name pops up in the conversation as things start to take a turn. So you kind of alluded to something similar to this. Well, I'm going to give you credit for it anyways, but... um, Thank you. So (laughs) this is a quote from the book. So Ceylon says, quote, 
we have hardly begun. It was not of your orchard, nor your apples, nor of me that you were thinking when you spoke of the re-arising of the dark tree. What you were thinking of, Master Borlas, I can guess nonetheless. I have eyes and ears and other senses, Master. His voice sank low and could scarcely be heard above the murmur of a sudden chill wind in the leaves as the sun sank behind Mindaluin. You have heard then the name. With hardly more than a breath he formed it. Of Heramor? Borlas looked at him with amazement and fear. His mouth made tremulous motions of speech, but no sound came from it. I see that you have, said Ceylon. And you seem astonished to learn that I have heard it also. But you are not more astonished than I was to see that his name has reached you too. For as I say, I have keen eyes and ears, but yours are now dim even for daily use, and the matter that has kept as secret as cunning could contrive. Who's cunning? said Borlas, suddenly and fiercely. The sight of his eyes might be dim, but they blaze now with anger. Why, those who have heard the call of his name, of course, answered Salem, unperturbed. They are not many yet to set against all the people of Gondor, but the number is growing. Not all are content since the great king died, and fewer now are afraid. So there we go. We have, mm. that was hard to say the word, unperturbed. <laughs> that always trips me up. But yeah, we get this um, new mysterious character called Heramore that's mentioned in the mix. And um, yeah, he seems cool. Like, it kind yeah. of, sorry to interrupt. Uh, I've just, I got like a strong flashback of before the Rings of Power series started when we'd like seen some of the trailers and you get to see the the um your man, I've forgotten his name now, the older guy, Waldrick, sorry, was his name. Mm. And he goes up to Theo and he's like, have you heard of him, lad? Yeah. Have you yeah. heard of Sauron? And it's like, I, I remember being really excited to see that storyline develop of the kind of, these people that lived in the Southlands and some of them heard about, you know, this character of Sauron and like then maybe they were going to start to follow him. And it was kind of like this legend or this, you know, this, you know, powerful person. Maybe he's a god, maybe he's whatever. And uh, I think just that's kind of like, that was a cool story. Well, I mean, I don't think it really gave me everything that I wanted in the end after seeing the show. But I remember at that time being thinking, oh, it's going to be cool to see this over and back of like, who is Sauron? Um uh, how how is he going to get like, this kind of cult following and people to come mm. and like uh, w- uh, worship him and stuff? Uh, maybe we'll get to see more of that uh, uh, later on in, in further seasons. But uh, it kind of reminded me of that part there when you were saying like this definitely guy, like yeah. have you heard of this 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 name like is in that time in Middle Earth when we saw the Rings of Power the name Sauron was just not a name that was known to uh, the people in that land. Obviously, people like Galadriel knew the name, but most of Middle-earth would have just not even known what, who that name was if you weren't uh, an elf, for example, and like really long living. So um, that's kind of cool here as well, where they're kind of like both of them know this name that's like this, it's got this evil connotation and they're yeah, like, oh definitely. no, I can't believe you know that name as well and stuff, so. Um, yeah. yeah, no, that's absolutely bang on because he, I didn't pick that up when I was reading it, but he actually says, you have heard then the name, which is almost like, mm. have you heard of him? Yeah, <laughs> yeah but, exactly. But of Heramore, and it just sounds, I don't know, it sounds so evil in the in the tongue, I suppose. So this mysterious character, Heramore, uh, he's mentioned and it seems to have riled up Borlas and, and then both men kind of start to question each other. But, you know, they're, they're going easy. They're holding all the cards to the chest they're not trying to reveal too much about themselves or where their allegiances lie so borlas asks quote but what is the call what would they do he cried laying his hand on the young man's knee i will ask you a question first before i answer yours said Selah. and now he looked searchingly at the old man 
How have you, who sit here in the Emin Arnen, and seldom go now even to the city, how have you heard the whispers of this name? So again, we're going back to it's an evil name. It's kind of like, again, in, in Harry Potter, they don't even say the name Voldemort. They just say the one who can't be named or something along those lines. So mm. I just like how it's it's almost like Sauron's got evil connotations to it, like you, like you just hinted at there. So, and also, I just want to say a side note, actually, in, in the book, The Peoples of Middle-Earth, it's, it's cool, they have, um, on, on this on this whole passage, or the 13 pages, they've got loads of little notes, or they've got numbers beside them, and if you actually read the small notes, um, one of them says that in the Silmarillion, the chapter of the Rings of Power and the Third Age, we learned that mm. there was actually another character in Tolkien's writings named Heramor, and he was among those Numenorians who sailed east from Numenor to establish fortresses and dwellings along the coast during Sauron's stay in Numenor. So he was actually one of the black Numenorians that rose to power uh, in the late Second class. Age against, or sorry, amongst the Haradrim. So he was all the way out there in the east, or in the southeast, and the name Heramor actually means Black Lord. So, now I don't think mm. this is the same Heramor. I assume this guy is dead. No, probably but not. Probably not, yeah. But um, anyways, so we're nearly at the end of this whole exchange between the two men. Ceylon finishes by telling Borlas that if he wants to learn more, quote, I will meet you at your eastern gate behind your house, or at least I shall pass that way as soon as it is full dark, and you shall come, or not, as you will. I shall be clad in black, and anyone who goes with me must be clad alike. So again, it sounds sounds very culty here. Do you know? I heard uh, <laughs> I heard uh, Dad, our, our own Dad, you're you're and my Dad, mine and your Dad. <laughs> I heard him the the other day. We were talking about cults. This is only last night, and he said, "This sounds very Irish." But he said, "Yeah, that sounds very cultish now." <laughs> and like, I had to take a step back, and I was like, "Sorry, what?" <laughs> Dad, would you mind your mouth? Yeah, exactly. Kind of an inside joke between. Um, Irish people and myself and Johnny here, but I uh, thought it was quite mm. funny. So anyways, uh, we're nearing the end of this whole chapter. Uh, but Borlas, alone with his thoughts, thinks back to an earlier conversation that he had with his own son, where his son Berilach mentioned that fellow shipmen had gone... <laughs> fellowship. <laughs> I never really put those two together. Oh. Fellow fellow shipmen had gone missing and even a Gondorian ship... Fellow was... shipmen. Fellowship men, yeah. Uh, so they, so the fellowship men had gone missing, and even a Gondorian ship was lost. And it was just kind of assumed that they that they were sunken and the men were drowned. But Borlas remembers how he had talked to Salon, and Salon had basically said that there was no recent storms. These men should be skilled because they're sons of fishermen. So things didn't add up. There was people in Middle Earth going missing. Mm. What what's going on? So Borlas debates internally what he should do. Should he stay? Should he go? Should I stay or should I go? So there's all this kind of mayhem. People are waking up. They're like, someone's, I've, I've lost one sock. I can only really find the other one. What's going on here? Things Every time I put one in the wash. <laughs> exactly. It's like, just things aren't adding up. Some some weird stuff is 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 afoot. That's like um, whenever our mom enters a room and she's like, where did my phone go? Who took my phone? It's missing. <laughs> you're like, mom, it's in your hand. But yeah, that's uh, the kind of crazy stuff that's going on here. So um, he, so Borlas is debating all these questions within himself. He's like, "Is should I go? Is Ceylon, is he trying to recruit me for, you know, uh, to, to combat this evil? Or will Ceylon actually lead him to a disappearance just like the shipmen? 
Or perhaps he's uh, he's trying to tempt and convert Borlas into this darkness. But that would be kind of useless because knowing what Borlas knows, he's one of the few men that remembers the evil of Sauron. So blah, blah, blah. Now, this is where it starts to get spooky. Or, yeah, this is the end of the story. This is where I, I think it, it gives me chills. He eventually decides, Borlas eventually decides that, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go and I'm going to meet Salem at my own house or near just outside my house in another little small hut or something. Uh, mm. But he's constantly questioning himself the whole time. And I'd like to read how it ends because these are the last words that Tolkien wrote about this unfinished book. And I think it's quite chilling. Borlas says, quote, Perhaps I've been preserved so long for this purpose that one should still live, hail in mind, who remembers what went before the great peace. Scent has a long memory. I think I could still smell the old evil and know it for what it is. The door under the porch was open, but the house behind was darkling. There seemed none of the accustomed sounds of the evening, only a soft silence, a dead silence. He entered, wondering a little. He called, but there was no answer. He halted in the narrow passage that ran through the house, and it seemed that he was wrapped in a blackness. Not a glimmer of twilight of the world outside remained there. Suddenly, he smelt it. Or so it seemed, though it came as it were from within outwards to the sense. He smelt the old evil, and he knew it for what it was. Oh, class. Can you read that part again? Uh, he's... What, what, feck, um... <laughs> There it was. Yeah, sorry, um, he knew. He, uh, he knew it for no, not before. He knew it for what it was. Um, go back there a bit. There. Okay. So he says. So it says he entered, wondering a little. He called, but there was no answer. He halted in the narrow passage that ran through the house, and it seemed that he was wrapped in a blackness. Not mm-hmm. a glimmer of twilight of the world outside remained there. Suddenly he smelt it. Or so Here, it this seemed. Here, this part now. This part. Or came, so it seemed. Or so it seemed, though it came, as it were, from within outwards to the sense. He exactly. Just the re- old re- evil. Repeat, repeat, repeat that line there. Though it came, as it seemed, or whatever. Though it came, as it were, from within outwards to the sense. That's He's, class. <laughs> yeah, it is cool. Also, my, um, I, I have that written down and there's like a, a one of those blue squiggly lines saying it's supposed to be within two. But I'm like, shut up. Tolkien wrote this. Yeah, it's, it's correct. Yeah. They're like, but, are you sure about your grabber? And you're like, are you sure about your yeah. <laughs> Are you sure, you stupid yeah. computer? You haven't been around as long as Tolkien. But yeah, that, yeah. that last line of he smelt the old evil. I just love the way he first yeah. begins by saying, scent has a long memory. I think I could still smell mm. the old evil and know it for what it is. And then it ends by saying, he smelt the old evil and he knew it for what it was. And yeah. I still I still it's get like cool. these goose pimples on my arm when I'm reading it. But um, yeah, it's kind of spooky and I really wish we got more. But this is how it ends. This That's the last line of the book. Uh, the, the end. The new shadow or <laughs> the old shadow or whatever. But yeah. It's a short story. It's a short story. But um, yeah, what a chilling end to just an insight into what the sequel to The Lord of the Rings would have looked like. So we're obviously left with so many questions, of course. Who is this Heramore guy? Um, what happened to the mysterious missing Gondorian boat and sailors? Uh, Ceylon as well, he's also quite mysterious. Was he really part of this new evil dark cult or was he just like, you know, someone with a bit of information? Was he a spy, perhaps? Uh, and mm-hmm. what what the hell was this dark tree cult all about? I assume 
you know, it's the dark tree is probably an opposite metaphor of the white tree of Gondor. The white tree, mm, sure. And uh, and of course, then what happened to Borlas? He he enters the house. He calls out, and there's no response. And suddenly, he smells the old evil. What what happened? Does he die? <laughs> oh, it's, it's so cool! It's so cool that I I um I I had a kind of before we started this episode, I had a slight memory of something like that. I remember just. Uh, there being some sort of evil character, some evil was returning to Middle Earth, but I kind of had forgotten all about it. So uh, when you said that again, I was just like getting those kind of chills down my spine going, oh, I remember this. Uh, it's mm. like when you hear a, a story that you haven't heard for a very long time, you're kind of going, there's some part of my mind that it, this is like reminiscent to. And there's <laughs> another part of my mind that is like, this is it's like I'm hearing it for the first time as well. Yeah. So, uh, it was cool. Um, the other part of your mind is like, I don't remember. I don't remember, no. <laughs> um yeah uh that's cool that's very very cool i i don't know what could possibly happen after that i, I mean maybe that's the reason tolkien left it there because he probably tried a few different uh storylines after that well, well, and just couldn't find something that was going right for him and just sort of got fed up and moved on mm, well i was going to my next question that i was going to put to you was why why do you think that tolkien didn't finish or even properly begin the sequel the new shadow why why do you think that that is because there is kind of a reason to it like Tolkien does talk about it in a later comment but um I just want to see what your thoughts are from what we know of this story is it a story reason or is it yeah uh, like I mean I I was going to say that maybe just stuff got in the way like as in (laughs) other writings or um things like that like you said this was uh, that's when he started blowing up on TikTok and then he just like took his career in another direction altogether yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. This um it's a, it's kind of story related, yeah. It's because of the text. Maybe because the fourth age is supposed to like I was in when the end of the third age, that's supposed to be when the world of men, like men take over. And obviously if if people aren't aware that Tolkien, the way he wrote about Middle Earth, it's supposed to it's not a fantasy world it's not a different world like um i don't know in star wars or something or game whatever of thrones. it's yeah it's not like game of thrones it's mm. supposed to be the history of our world where we live now so the fourth age the beginning of men was like that would be like they would be uh, our distant relatives i suppose and so maybe he just thought that like it wouldn't make sense to have this like new evil coming in because then that might just it it's it probably seems like a better ending to the original story where all the evil gets wiped out and yeah. all of the other like the, the dwarves disappear, the elves leave uh, for Valinor, and um we don't really hear too much about the hobbits. I know that in like one of the cartoons we see that the hobbits just kind of grow into men as well, <laughs> which is a bit weird. Yeah, but, they just um, like become men, I suppose. Yeah, Each generation become, gets taller and taller. I was I suppose they were, they, they were getting taller. That was in Ralph Bashi. No, that was no, in, the um, Rankin Bass, was it? Yeah. Rankin Bass one, yeah. Hmm. Um, so they obviously just it was saying like that they got taller after a while, and then they probably like you know, um, I was gonna say crossbreed. That sounds so weird. I mean, just like you know, get into like interracial men. marriages, I suppose, between <laughs> uh, you know men and hobbits and stuff like that, and then eventually they would kind of just become one peoples. Um, so maybe is 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 that anywhere in the right yeah. direction where you would say it wouldn't make sense to be like if because obviously the ultimate end of Tolkien's story is our life now. Um, kinda uh, like the, Am I the going way to like no no, no but like of... no you're kind of right with two things because obviously what you're saying is correct about uh, that's got nothing to do with the reason why he ended the book the, the whole thing about you know this being uh, English 
mythology, I suppose. And yeah, I've heard that a good few times where this is kind of in Tolkien's mind set thousands of years ago in our own time um, or in our own world. But that's not the, the actual reason he gives. But you, you still kind of touched on it. I'm going to I'm just going to read a quote from Tolkien himself, the great, great man. And what he says about this sequel is, quote, I did begin a story placed about 100 years after the downfall, but it proved both sinister and depressing. Since we are dealing with men, it is inevitable that we should be concerned with the most regrettable feature of their nature, their quick satiety with good, so that the people of Gondor in times of peace, justice and prosperity will become discontented and restless, while the dynasts descended from Aragorn will become just kings and governors, like Denethor or worse. I found that even so early there was an outcrop of revolutionary plots about a centre of secret satanistic religion, while Gondorian boys were playing at being orcs and going around doing damage. I could have written a thriller about the plot and its discovery and overthrow, but it would have just have been that not worth doing. So basically, to um, <laughs> sum up what mm. Tolkien is trying to say there, so Tolkien, he probably knew that it would be too depressing to showcase a new evil, especially after such a tremendous victory over Sauron. Uh, I wanted to ask you, Johnny, as well, can you think of a modern example where a franchise prob- probably overmilked the same cow, as it were? <laughs> Star Wars? <laughs> yeah, well done, yeah. How, how so? I mean, bringing back Palpatine. Yeah. I suppose that's that was a uh, that was just ridiculous. Like, if anybody, if any of our listeners are fans of the 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 the, the what's it called? Not the is it just called the new trilogy or is there a, a yeah the the sequel trilogy? I suppose the sequel trilogy. Yeah, mm. people are fans of that. I mean, that's that's fine. I, there's definitely elements from all those movies that I enjoy, but I have to say the the last movie, I just, I'm just like this is the biggest pile of shit I've ever seen. <laughs> It's the whole way through and I was like, this is terrible. And then when I finally saw the, like, the big reel of Palpatine, I was like, oh, that's that's it. Like, I mean, what have they done? What have they done to our baby? So annoying because I remember I remember actually being with you in Spain, like, you know, two years before the movie came out. When, or no, maybe it was a year before the movie came out and the trailer dropped. And there was a big trailer of whatever was going on, didn't reveal much. And then just before the title came up of like the rise of Skywalker, you heard that. <laughs> and you hear like Palpatine's laugh and you're like oh cool how's this gonna work what's gonna happen and you were anticipating how they were going to bring back one of the biggest villains of all time and they just explained it with one simple line three words somehow Palpatine returned and that was it we didn't get to hear like how, how's he alive like what's going on so they could have um, even just said it was like some means that are unnatural yeah or something like that like that even would have been better <laughs> well they did he, he did kind of Palpatine he himself he does say that himself he just he says something about like the dark side of the force and um you know some something things are, something uh, dark uh, side <laughs> something something complete but yeah um so yeah we know how uh star wars audience felt about darth sidious's return um it basically makes his defeat in the original trilogy and the climax less earned and pointless. And I imagine that this is what Tolkien feels too. And I certainly commend and Va- him. Va- Vader's arc, you know, in terms of how he it's true, over- yeah. overcame Palpatine and overcame Darth Sidious and eventually, like, you know, cast him down into that chasm and defeated yeah. him. And it just kind of makes his whole story arc just, like, invalid, I suppose. And mm-hmm. just kind of, well, actually, you didn't defeat him. 
he 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 just came back. He's fine. So yeah, and, uh, and the whole yeah. thing with just with yeah. the the whole thing with Ray as well. You know, Anakin is the chosen one, and then it's just like, well, actually, Ray is the chosen one. She's the one that eventually does kill Palpatine. It's just kind of weird because the chosen one, the whole prophecy of Anakin, you know, going to the the, the Sith and then becoming who he was. Yeah, and, yeah mm. it was just kind of in hindsight. Yeah, it was, there was a lot of mistakes in the story room, but I certainly can commend. So- yeah, I was going to say, like, we should commend Tolkien, Tolkien for, yeah. for noticing that. I mean, like, oh, I could make a bestseller here and I could make more money off it, I'm sure. Yeah. But he realized that it would, like, I mean, that's actually, that's, you know, that doesn't exist anymore, I suppose, no. nowadays, where a writer can see this. I, I have a great plot or initial, you know, um, beginnings of a story here that could be really interesting. It could be an exciting thriller. And it would, you know, it won't be a bad story. I can definitely make it a good story. Yeah, but, uh, could have been very enjoyable. Like, loads of money, and blah, blah, blah. but in terms of how would it fit into the entire world that he's already created? And he's like, actually, you know what? It's better that I just don't continue with this story. So that's really commendable and something that, as I said, is lost on the, the modern studios. Yeah. Uh, on maybe any sort of Disney or, you know, Marvel studios that are making their new stuff at the moment. But um, we won't go down that road anymore. We won't. We won't uh, harp on that. But there's definitely, you know, there's, we're not going to hate on Star Wars on Disney or on Marvel because they, if anybody knows Dave, Dave and I, we are big, big fans of all that world as well. So mm. um, definitely enjoy it. But uh, yeah, kudos to Tolkien for realizing not to cash in on this, on this. Uh, I suppose this money cow. Yeah, and I, I, we're such big, massive fans of both Star Wars and Marvel. But you know, everything has their flaws. I just still like those things more than other things. But the best thing about Tolkien is there are no flaws. It's all perfect. It's like literally it's completely perfect. It's, it's just perfect. So um, yeah, and he he shows an incredible amount of restraint not um, writing this sequel, which probably would have been class and you know mm. i'm already so intrigued about this tiny little conversation between two characters i really want to know what happens but i guess we never will know but um i just want to say as well Tolkien in his catholic upbringing could see that human beings are fund- fundamentally flawed and they're easily tempted by evil like we see with his characters such as baromir and Isildur. Uh Tolkien was always very careful not to portray his own views on his work unlike his friend c.s lewis who he obviously has um, a more allegorical message, I suppose, in his his writings. Um, mm-hmm. Narnia, the, the line, the witch in the wardrobe is basically like, you know, Jesus's sacrifice and Christianity and all that mumbo jumbo. But Tolkien, he wanted his works to be for everyone and he simply could not persist with this sequel. And that is why he chose not to write it. So there you have it. And, mm. and it is true because, you know, you might have some people maybe staunch atheists that will pick up Narnia or, you know, the mother might pick it up and go, I've heard about this guy and I know exactly what he's putting in here and don't want to be brainwashing my children because like I had the opposite effect when I was, when I was a kid and mom, I wanted to read this book called the golden compass and it was a big fantasy book. And mom found out that uh, it was written by (laughs) someone who was like a, a staunch atheist and they had put lots of allegorical messages in there and, you know, things to make you think this way and that way. And she was like, no, that is a, that is a no, no, in our house. Yeah. <laughs> and I got a clip around the ear and a, I got bet with the wooden spoon just for thinking of it. But yeah, there you have it. Um, the way Christ would have done himself. <laughs> so I do have another uh, another thing. It's, it's completely nothing to do with um, this unfinished sequel, but... Uh, yeah, I think I think we have time for another little a little mini story. Oh, little story. A little Finish story. Off. 
Yeah, but but first of all, before we um, talk about this um, little thing, if anyone wants to ask us any questions about the unfinished sequel, or if you have any little anecdotes yourself or any cool facts, send them into us um, at melon underscore heads on Twitter or you know any of our other socials you can find us there or comment on youtube please we'd love and to yeah w- while you're doing that yeah exactly so, uh, g- leave us a comment g- leave us a like and please subscribe and tell your friends mm. and tell your mom tell your mom to tell her friends um i'm already friends with your mom and her friends just kidding <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah even though i find this little mini story between borlas and ceylon very captivating and intriguing I basically broke it all down there in, you know, maybe about a page or a page and a half, but it is actually slow and depressing. And I thought I'd like to lighten the mood a little bit and finish off with something that Johnny, you may not have ever heard of, but oh no, actually I, I mentioned this to you before and I said I might bring it up at a podcast sometime. So you will have heard of it. Oh, so was well, I listen to you though? That is the question. <laughs> no, well, you, you mightn't remember once I bring up the, the name. So there was a man named John Boorman who wrote a Lord of the Rings adaptation in 1970. So do you know of this adaptation? No. Right. Well, not ringing any bells. No. Right. So some bells are going to be rang fairly soon, I think, when uh, when I get into it. But um, so, excuse me. John Borman, he had a script for a live action Lord of the Rings uh, that was supposed to come out in 1970, or that's when it was being created. But thankfully... It was never created because it is the weirdest thing you will ever read. But uh, I think this is, yeah, I'm sorry to get those bells. Ringing, but did you say that it was a script for a movie? Sorry, is that what you were saying? Script for a movie, a live, a live sorry, action sorry. movie. Um, I think I misheard you. I thought you said a, a book or something. Okay, so a live <coughs> action movie. Okay. No, um, it, it, it's yeah, it was never made. But there are a full mm, 173 yeah. page. Uh, script it exists and it's it was supposed to be written for a three hour long adaptation oh, of the entire was trilogy. Like, were, was there like some really kind of weird, kind of raunchy, yeah, kind of yeah, like unusual it. parts of it? Yeah, okay, <laughs> all right. So yes, the, the bells, the bells are well and truly ringing right now. Right, the bells are ringing. Yeah. So I have ba- basically I got you can find the script out there. I, there was 173 pages. I didn't look through it all. I only went back to like check out some of the scenes that i'm gonna touch on here but anyways i've i've paraphrased basically what a man named daniel stride writes in his blog entitled from magic mushrooms to moranin the john borman script of the lord of the rings 1970 so let's get into it don't worry this won't be long um he says well one need look no further than gandalf we actually see borman's gandalf tauntingly encourage baromir to take the ring at one point we see him psychologically bullying Bilbo. We see him late, uh, literally abusing Gimli before the doors of Moria to awaken, quote-unquote, ancestral memories. So it tends to get even worse as the story goes on. The first half of the script more or less aligns with the Fellowship of the Ring. And now I'm saying more or less because in that while the earlier sections are still recognizably the Lord of the Rings, they are completely weird and crazy. Gandalf, for some unknown reason, does not have a single excuse not to accompany Frodo to Rivendell. The Hobbit's consumption of mushrooms takes on a clear psychedelic twist. It is Sam, not Tom Bombadil, who sings the Willow to Sleep. The ring rates literally dissolve in water, like the Wicked Witch of the West. and Like Disprin. Like Disprin. And that's just before ignoring the characterization of Mary. Mary, of all people, is the overweight and clueless comic relief. So there you have it. A couple of other things that happen in the script that get weirder and weirder. 
So rather than a prologue, it's just like uh, Ralph Bakshi's or, or Peter Jackson's, we get treated to an uh, expositional symbolic play at Rivendell. Do you know the way I think they do it in Game of Thrones? Oh, right, okay. One of those kind yeah. of things. Um, Arwen. And it's done in, in Thor as well. Yes, yeah, with like... The, like Matt like Damon, Matt Damon. <laughs> yeah um so Arwen in this story is actually only 13 years old for some reason but don't worry she doesn't end up with Aragorn he, he that's not her, his love interest that honor actually goes to Eowyn instead Borman wraps ramps up the magical element of the elves so Arwen and Elrond are able to keep track of the fellowship um and provide weird kind of voiceovers the exception to the magical elves, of course, is Legolas, whom the script seems to completely forget is an actual elf at some times because he refers to the last of the fair people leaving at the Grey Havens when he's not going anywhere. So that's another weird thing. We also have Borman has... Uh, sorry. Borman has him rescue the, the Fellowship... Oh, sorry. Borman has Gandalf rescue the Fellowship from the wargs via encasing himself... And his companions in ice, which is kind of strange. And also before <laughs> the doors of Durin, he physically forces poor Gimli into a little hole to get the password out of him, <laughs> which is bizarre. <laughs> and also since the since Narsil is not reforged until Minas Tirith, Aragorn and Barmir wind up sharing the shards until Barmir's death. So that's weird as well. I can't imagine, you know, Aragorn. But that would add to the story as well. Yeah. Okay, so uh, another weird. Also, it's it's so that's weird. It's so Narsil. That's similar to Peter Jackson's. It's not forged until Minas Tirith. Mm. Uh, yeah. Whereas in the books, I mean, that's weird that he would go along that 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 line as well because it's not like oh, of course, because like in the the material that he would have had back in the seventies would have been Tolkien's writings, which was Narsil was reforged in Rivendell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and, unusual, and, but and, that and before that, Aragorn doesn't even really have a sword, does he? He just has like a shtick. Oh, in the in the book, he has the yeah. He carries around the the hilt of uh, of Narsil uh, of the sword. But like you know, um, yeah. the other way before we actually get to, but he carries around the hilt and like you know the small like the little part of the blade before it's broken. Like, but his, his he's like, look at my sword. It's like he doesn't really need to use it. It's like Whereas four in, inches in, in the films. If you know, he, he has so much action before he gets to the yeah. reforging of the blade, so it just wouldn't have made sense, which is funny. But um, now probably the weirdest weirdest part of the book is. Galadriel is a seductive lakeside dwelling sorceress whom the Fellowship are, let's say, interested in. And yes, in that way, every single one of the Fellowship is like lusting after Galadriel. And despite the best efforts of everyone else, including Baromir, she ends up having sex with Frodo Baggins. And um, (laughs) incidentally, Pippin reveals this later on to Denethor that Galadriel basically boinked Frodo and not Baromir and this does not help the steward's mood later on he's like <laughs> it should have been Boromir <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I, I actually when I read this in the blog I wanted to go to the script and find the exact uh, the exact quote from the script so what it reads oh, is uh, accepting the invitation this is ta- sorry this is talking about Frodo by the way accepting the invitation his eyes wandered over her body Drinking in its loveliness. Galadriel's austere and aloof features soften. Galadriel's hand touches the chain from which the ring dangles as Frodo's hand takes hers. Frodo again looks deep into the reflection in the basin and sees their two faces come together and kiss. 
And then it does switch to another scene. So you can see that the raunchy part is off camera, but it later goes back. I didn't want to, you know, keep quoting it, but it later goes back and they're like lying together naked in a boat or something. And she's like rubbing his chest. And <laughs> it's just so just, like, when you're what? talking about like, that's so mad. Also, I just, uh, I think it's funny when you're talking about a sex scene and you just said that Galadriel touched something that was dangling. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So I was like, I oh, that's a strange word to use. And uh, did she touch something that was dangling later on? <laughs> but like, this is the direction. This isn't like, you know, this isn't anyone saying anything in the script. This is just a direction. But it sounds like he he's a, he could be an erotic novelist, this, this John Borman. Um, but yeah, that's that's probably the weirdest part. But anyways, I'll, I'll read out the last uh, couple of notes here that I have. What, 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 about, yeah. what about Gollum? What was the character of Gollum like? I, again, I didn't read the script. I there was nothing on Gollum from this guy's uh, summation okay. of, of everything. But um, just to to quickly gloss over everything else, the entire Isengard plotline is cut. So it's goodbye to the Ents and goodbye to Helm's Deep. None of that is in there. Um, Sauron, or sorry, Saruman takes the place of the mouth of Sauron at the Moranin. So he's not really in the story at all. He just pops up at the end. Um, mm-hmm. At Minas Tirith. Theoden lands the Ro- sorry he leads the Rohirrim down. Legolas brings three elves. Gimli brings dwarves and Aragorn. Apart from fighting with the two shards of Narsil in each hand, he's a straight out necromancer, summoning the dead from a graveyard with no explanation whatsoever. There's none of this like oathbreakers explanations. Just yeah, he's a necromancer. There is no Faramir, so Denethor's fixation on the loss of Baromir is arguably more understandable. Um, rather than burning himself at a pyre, Denethor's suicide, weirdly enough, involves him holding a dagger to his heart as he embraces Aragorn. Again, these just sound like unnecessary, weird changes for no reason. Uh, mm. Oh, and Aragorn in the Corsair, in the Corsair ships, um, that scene, that doesn't happen at all. That's actually replaced with Aragorn and his forces camouflaging themselves as a giant snake. So that sounds like <laughs> something you see in pantomime or something. Or, or Monty Python. <laughs> yeah, Monty Python. Or like, you know, when the Chinese if are celebrating If we built a giant year. badger. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that scene is so funny. And what now? And now we climb out of the rabbit and <laughs> Lancelot, Galahad and I. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> who climbs out? <laughs> well, uh, Lancelot and I. <laughs> yeah. What happens now? Well, now uh, Lancelot, uh, Galahad, and I uh, wait until nightfall and then leap out of the rabbit, uh, taking the French uh, by surprise. And not only by surprise, but totally alarmed. Who leaps out? Uh, Lancelot, Galahad, and I uh, leap out of the rabbit. Uh, and uh oh. oh um look, look if we built this large wooden badger um yeah so the orcs they are basically part reptilian and part bird like apparently uh the end demolition of isengard is sort of paid tribute here when a random tree decides to take down the wall of mordor by itself granting frodo and sam a way in 
And after the destruction of the ring, everyone, including the orcs, basically decide to go home. Um, like, it was all just a big <laughs> war, and they're like, all right, let's go home. And Saruman apparently pursues a career of small-time con man. <laughs> so there's no scouring of the Shire. He's just like, right, I'm just going to pickpocket people in the streets or whatever. Oh, and, right. and then finally, Legolas and Gimli are the ones to say farewell beside the sea and not the hobbits. So there you have it. That's... um. A summary of what could have been, and thank God it didn't, because wow. se- seeing as Tolkien himself would have been alive at this time, this is supposed to be 1970. Tolkien died in 1973, so goodness knows what he would have thought. <laughs> My God, can you imagine? So you can count your lucky stars, folks, that um, we didn't get this adaptation. People are complaining about the Rings of Power, but oh my God, it Jeez. could have been. It could have been so much worse. Could have been so. Could you imagine that came out this year with, with Twitter as well? Oh God. Twitter, Twitter, Twitter seems to be going down, going down completely now. I'm, I'm afraid. I'm afraid that we're going to lose all of our lovely followers. By the way, guys, if you're following us on Twitter, I've put it up a good few times. It could be going down this week, so please subscribe to us on YouTube and subscribe to our podcast. But also check out we're we're big on Instagram, and if if Twitter goes bust, that's where we'll be posting everything. Uh, also check us out on. Um, TikTok and Facebook and all the lovely stuff and Patreon if you're one of those kind of people mm. we'd love to see you there but yeah Johnny any any final notes before we conclude this episode um no no not really that was uh that was cool I, as as I said um it's always nice when you hear a story that you've definitely heard years before and mm. it's like two sides to your brain one side is kind of like going oh Jesus this, uh, this sounds familiar and the other side is kind of going I don't remember this at all so I'm just going to sit back put up my feet and uh, drink it in yeah. and uh, it's always nice to hear like a new a new story that like any sort of a new Tolkien writing it's always like a pleasure so uh, that was lovely it was nice to hear that and uh, yeah I remember you'd spoken to me before about this script uh, from the 70s that's just yeah. completely this sort of off the wall Lord of the Rings so um, interesting yeah nice to have a bit of a thank you for that fun little uh you know uh i don't know completely shift <laughs> yeah little, little side quest at the end of the podcast there because um as you said the first story it's it's kind of heavy it's uh heavy stuff mm, but, it um, is heavy interesting as well but the yeah i think the reason that we were talking about the the weird adaptation was because there are some obviously it's very weird and stupid and should absolutely not have happened but it was interesting in a way to see how someone would have adapted this huge story into just three hours and you know he had to make some changes like Peter Jackson did and one of them was actually leaving out all of Helm's Deep and leaving out all of the the trees the the Ents and Isengard and it's interesting because the the Mm. small part of the story that concerned men of the west all they were doing was just gathering forces for the battle of Minas Tirith so it's just like you can kind of understand. You can kind of take out all of Helm's Deep and just pretend like that didn't really happen. There's, there's just going to be this one big battle and that's sure. what we're preparing for. So, you know, if it's one movie, you can understand that he had to make Yeah, no, of course. And we should remember that in the books as well, that like Helm's Deep is a very mi- like minor part in the books as well. Like, I mean, yeah. we just know that one chapter. it's so huge in the... Yeah, and not even a long chapter. Mm. Um, So just because of the second movie, uh, it was, you know probably how long is it it's over an hour in terms of the when battle. the battle starts yeah, until probably. the end of the until the end of it i think we like we have a full episode for people if you want to go back and check out our episode on the the battle at helm's deep mm, it's a good um, one it's a good episode uh go back and check that out but i think in terms of uh screen time is a full hour from when that when that battle starts until when it ends i think it like it shifts away and it shows parts of like 
um, what Frodo's doing and all that kind of stuff. But um, there's over an hour of uh, footage on that as well. So it's a huge chunk of that movie. And in terms of if you read the book, it's one small chapter in uh, quite a long book. And there's loads going on. And in that book as well, we get like Shelob and all kinds of stuff as well, which Jackson put into the third movie. So um, yeah, I could definitely see that somebody could take that source material and think, oh, I'm just going like, to not bother with this battle because it's going to yeah. take up too much time and effort. So yeah, um, that's definitely not his worst decision compared to the other decisions <laughs> that we saw. But uh, yeah, interesting. It, to say it, it's least. just interesting to see what what his vision was. And I think, um, yeah, that, that could have been an, an interesting but maybe smart choice if he had gone on, along with it. Uh, just to touch on um, Tolkien's unfinished story as well. I just thought when I was... when I, I don't actually have the book, The Peoples of Middle-earth, so I wasn't able to read it directly. So I was like going at secondary information. But then when I was getting into the story, I was like, all right, this sounds cool. I want to find like these quotes and stuff. So I ended up going and finding like some illegal PDF and downloading the thing <laughs> and like reading it all. And I was like, I was fascinated because I'd already kind of read the story, but I was like... I don't really understand what's going on or else I was watching videos and I was like, I still really know what's going on. And I wanted to get the actual direct quotes. Themselves yeah, because sure. I, I watched sure. a couple of videos and they had like some, some quotes, but I was like, I want to put all this in there because it's, it's good stuff. And yeah, yeah it's fine tingling, but, um, but man, yeah, guys, let us know which story you prefer to hear. Do, do you prefer Tolkien's one or John Borman's one? And uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let us know. Let us know. Put in it a poll up. Yeah, we should do that. I don't know how that's going to go down. Uh, I think we just get some trolls in there just like in John... What's his name? John Durham? John Borman, I think. Borman? Borum? John Borman. Yeah, there you go. And he was a boring man. (laughs) What's happening out there? Shall I describe it to you? Or would you like me to find you a box? So, folks, that's all we have time for today on the Council of Elrond. So I want to thank you all so much for listening and hopefully watching. And let us know what your thoughts on today's episode are by leaving a comment on YouTube or you can tweet us again at melon underscore heads. That is if Twitter hasn't already imploded with Elon's takeover. But um, all of our social media links are in the podcast info section. Again, if you'd like to support myself and Johnny with these podcasts, you can sign up to our Patreon where you'll get bonus discussions there and lots more little goodies. Thank you all, or sorry, thank you to all of our patrons that have already signed up and a special thank you to Jack Knightley. We will see you all next week. So guys, adios. Cheerio.